Well, hey there, guys. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Zeke Said So Show. This is the one only show where we talk about all things movie news, video games, comics, television, and all that sorts of good stuff. And this is the first Zeke Said So of 2023. Yes, we are in a brand new year, which means brand new movies and movie news and all the craziness that goes on in the world of movies. So, um... Yeah, I'm I'm excited for this new year, guys. I'm really excited. Um, uh, today, um, as you know, as you guys are listening to this, it's today, um, Friday, January sixth. Um, uh, the my newest short film, uh, "What to Watch," is now up on the YouTube channel, uh, so you guys can go and check that out. I worked very hard on that short film. Uh, I'm so excited about that. Uh, um, about that movie. It's, it's, it's the first short film I've made, uh, since end of the line. Um, I haven't, uh, made another short film since. Um, and I'm very excited about that. I'm, I'm very, very excited about that. Um, and you know, just, we got so much stuff planned for Zeke said, so we got all the, the podcast shows are going and all that good stuff. And, it's going to be a really good year. It's going to be a really good year for Zeke Said So, and I'm hoping you guys will uh, join us for this incredible ride that we got going on here. Um, I will say, though, uh, I am recording this on Thursday, January 5th, and I got to say, um, there's a lot of rain. There's a lot of rain. You know, I, I live in the I live in the Southern California area, and you know, I woke up this morning and I was like, wow, that's a lot of rain. <laughs> um yeah, it's 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 it's, it's crazy because you know Christmas, you know Christmas time and then New Year's there was like barely any rain, like barely any. Like on Christmas, I don't think it rained at all on Christmas. Now on New Year's, I think it sprinkled and then that was it. But this morning it was pouring and yeah, yeah, it's just a little crazy. So, but yes, I had an amazing holiday, guys. I had an amazing break. It 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 felt good to take a little bit of vacation time. Um, you know, only thing I really worked on was my short film and, uh, you know, we, um, but I am, uh, excited with the notion that we are going to, uh, talk about some more movie news and boy, oh boy, do we got a packed show for you today. We're going to be talking about a lot of great stuff, including, uh, top 10 most anticipated films of 2023, um, uh, there's some new drama going on between DC and Dwayne Johnson. What's up with that? Um, we got uh, Avatar two, Avatar: The Way of Water becoming the highest grossing film 2022, a new Ocean's Eleven remake, all sorts of good stuff. So let's not waste any time and let's get right into it. But before we get into our main topics, it is time for a brand new segment that we introduced on the Christmas special. But uh, it is time to enter... With what we are calling the Zeke Said So Quick Movie News Rundown. Welcome to the Quick Movie News Rundown. Michael Giacchino is set to direct a Them remake for Warner Brothers. After directing the critically acclaimed Werewolf by Night, Warner Brothers Discovery is in talks with Giacchino to make his big screen directing debut. Giacchino is in talks to direct a reboot of the of the 1954 sci-fi monster movie Them. In the film, a huge nest of ants are discovered in New Mexico and become a national threat when two queen ants escape to set up new nest. No release date has been set. Glass Onion becomes the 10th most popular film on Netflix. According to Deadline, the Ryan Johnson whodunit managed 127.25 hours viewed in its first full week since release, in addition to the 82.1 million viewing hours it took home in the first two days. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the Quick Movie News Rundown. All right, guys, and that was the quick movie news rundown. So, um, yeah, now we are going to get into our main topics. And the first main topic we have is this. James Wan reveals that that Conjuring 4 may be the final film. 
in a recent interview with Quieter.com while promoting Megan, James Wan talked about the upcoming fourth Conjuring film and even discussed the possibility of it being the final film. He said the following, quote, yeah, we are working on it right now. With, with the Conjuring films, we are very precious about them. And so we kind of want to just take our time to make sure we get it right and to make sure the emotion of the Warren stories that we want to tell and moving into and potentially wrapping up, uh, we just want to make sure that it's the right thing, the right story the, that we're telling. Uh, and that comes to us from James Wan. Um, so getting into my thoughts on this whole thing, you know, I have be, I have been a, I've been a fan of the Conjuring films. I really like the first one. I thought the second one was really, really great. I didn't really like the first one. Uh, not the, uh, I didn't like the third one. Um, I did not really think the third one was that good. Um, thought it definitely had a lot of issues and I felt like it was definitely missing, uh, James Wan's direction. Um, whereas the first two, I feel like were very uh, very, uh, incredibly directed, uh, by James Wan. I feel like the third one was definitely missing his presence. Um, and so I'm hoping that James Wan will come back and do this fourth one. Um, unless they've already, who's doing conjuring for director. Let me just see. Okay, so 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 it does look like James Wan could be directing um, the final film, um, which is good because I feel like the franchise was really missing um, was really missing his um, his presence um, on. Uh, in the franchise uh, when he decided to, to not come back and do the third one. So the fact that he's saying that this could be the final film, I think it's great. Look, I think at some point you gotta, you gotta know when to end your, your, your stories. And if James Wan believes that a, that the fourth film could work on becoming the ending of the film of the, of the series, then that's great. But we also shouldn't be surprised about this because James Wan just partnered up with Blumhouse over at Universal. So I think James Wan's time with Warner Brothers has come to an end. I think he's going to direct. I think he's going to do. Um, he's. I think he's going to do Aquaman two, which comes out in December, and and that's going to be and and that's wonderful for him. Um, and then he'll direct one more movie with Warner Brothers, The Conjuring 4, and this cinematic universe, this very successful cinematic universe, and then s say goodbye, you know, and then just go and be, and just go and work with, um, uh, with, uh, uh, with, uh, with Jason Blum. And from everything that I'm hearing, Megan... From everything I'm hearing about Megan, it's a very good movie. Um, that's everything I'm hearing about that movie is just is just fantastic. Um, so I am I'm excited to see um, where they take the fourth film. It's gonna be interesting to see what direction they go in. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, it's very uh, very interesting to know that this could possibly be the final film. All right, now let's move on to our second main topic, and that is this. Ocean's Eleven remake with Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling starts filming soon. Uh, it looks like Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling had a good time working on Barbie and now have plans to work together once again, this time with a new installment of, of the Ocean's franchise. Screen Rant wrote the following. The new Ocean's Eleven movie starring Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling is set to begin filming very soon. Despite the critical and commercial success of the female-led spinoff Ocean's 8, 
Warner Brothers Discovery is taking is taking the future of the heist franchise in a different direction. In May 2022, Robbie was chosen to, to headline uh, an Ocean's Eleven prequel movie set in 1960s Europe. Soon after, Gosling joined the cast, reuniting the two stars after the upcoming Barbie movie. After the upcoming Barbie movie. Uh, the new Oceans movie will be helmed by Jay Roach, reuniting him with Robbie after dire- after directing uh, the 2019 film Bombshell. And that, of course, comes to us from Screen Rant. So, le- let, me, let me go ahead and say this, okay? Oceans 11, the Oceans movies are... Um, are... I think really great. I love, um, uh, I love the, the, I love oceans 11, um, oceans 12 and 13. I thought were really good. were really good follow-ups. Um, and I will say I was one of those people. I really enjoyed oceans eight. I thought oceans eight was really good. And, and typically I don't really like, when movies decide to um, do the whole, hey, let's let's change the cast from all men to all women. I, I, I typically don't like that. It's part, honestly part of the reason why um, I wasn't too big on the um, on the Ghostbusters remake because I felt like it could have it could have been that movie with that cast could have made an, a, an incredible sequel, but they decided to make it just a bland reboot. Um, but I will say Ocean's 8 I thought was really, really good. Ta- having it be a, a story set in the same universe with with the with an incredible cast of 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 women, it it was I thought it was great and I really loved it. And I was ashamed when it was announced that they weren't gonna go that they weren't gonna continue and that they weren't gonna continue uh in that direction. Um but just out of curiosity, actually, let me see how much movie how much money um what was the box office returns for um oceans eight okay so oceans eight ended up making 297.7 million dollars um now do we have the budgets on that um now let's do Oceans Eight. Oceans Eight. Budgets. Seventy mil. Okay, so yeah, it was it was a financial success. It actually was pretty financially successful with a seventy million dollar budget. Um. So yeah, it kind of did confuse me what why they weren't gonna go. And do uh, and continue that and continue that group, cast of characters stories. Um, it's just it just felt it just felt odd to me. So, um, but I I will say I I do like this idea. I do like Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. Um, even though I'll I'll be honest, I'm kind of not looking forward to Barbie. I'll be honest. I saw the trailer for Barbie and I was like, eh, this kind of looks dumb. So, uh, not really looking forward to, uh, not really looking forward to, um, uh, uh, to, to, uh, Barbie, but I, I will say I, I, I think, I think, I think both Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling are great actors and I cannot wait to see what kind of, uh, shenanigans they get themselves into in this new oceans, uh, remake or remake prequel, whatever. Um, so yeah, um, apparently it's a prequel. It's not a remake. So apparently it's a prequel. So, Hey, we'll, we'll see how that turns out. All right. Uh, third main topic is this avatar. The way of water, uh, is the highest grossing film of 2022. Uh, according to a report from deadline avatar, the way of water's earnings, um, will inevitably pass Top Gun Maverick's record, cementing the latest Avatar film as the highest-grossing film released in 2022. The new record set by Avatar The Way of Water is one of many 
the film has achieved recently. This includes being the fastest film to reach $1 billion in 2022, as well as crossing $1 billion at the international box office. And that, then that comes to us from Screen Rant. Um, this should come as no surprise. I mean, look, Avatar, the first Avatar film was a huge success. And, you know, I'm one of those people who believe that this film is actually better than the first. Um, it's still, is, is it the most original story? No, but at the same time, it, it just felt more emotional. And that's what I was looking for. It just felt more like an emotional experience. You know, I truly felt something this time around. Um, instead of the first one where, yeah, this world, it looks pretty, but I, I don't, I'm not getting any emotion out of this, out of this world or out of these characters. And I felt like this one felt more emotional than the, than the first one did. Um, I really do love the, the film and I, and I believe that the reason why it's made $1 billion is because it truly is the true the best example of the perfect theatrical experience getting in a room with with a with a bunch of random strangers and everybody in that room gets pulled into another world your problems in the real world are being left outside that door and you are now in pandora you're not on earth you're in pandora and you're with the with the navi and and you're learning about about their world and you're in the water with these characters you know you know avatar the way of water is the perfect example of the theatrical experience both top gun maverick and avatar this year you know spider-man no way home Yes, it was. It definitely helped save the theaters, but it was not the movie that brought people back. Top Gun Maverick and Avatar The Way of Water are both responsible for bringing people back to the theaters. And, um, and all we can say about that is, 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 you know, it's fantastic. And look, um, I think it just goes to show that you don't have to have superheroes. You don't have to have big recognizable stars um to 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 have a number one a good movie or number two a very successful movie um you know i mean yes top gun has tom cruise in it but at the end of the day top gun was just a good movie you know i feel like if that if that movie was not good then it would not have made the billions of dollars that it ended up making. Top Gun Maverick ended up being a very good movie, and so which is why it was able to make the money that it ended up making. So, um, and same with Avatar. I mean, Avatar: The Way of Water is a good movie, which is which is also why it's successful. And also, it it just felt it felt like the perfect theatrical experience. So, yeah. Um, look, Avatar: The Way of I still haven't watched it in 4DX though. Uh, I I I, st I still I still at least I don't remember I don't think I've watched it in four I know I watched it in IMAX I know I watched it in IMAX I can't remember if I watched it in 40x though I can't remember but um, I I I'll probably go and see it again um, I've only I've I've seen it I've seen it uh, about three times now um, I've seen it three times. Uh, I do want to go back for a fourth. I, I really want to go back and see it again. So, um, uh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that this film has, has reached the Billion Dollars Club. Now, a lot of people have asked me, but, do, but Zeke, do you think it will catch up to the first film's box office? No, I still don't think it will beat the first Avatar's box office. I do think it has a shot of beating. Uh, I do have. A, I do feel like it has a shot of making two billion dollars, though. Because let me go back to um, uh, let me go back to box office mojo real quick, and just take a look. Um, worldwide. Uh, oh, let me go all time. And all time worldwide. Okay, so there are five movies, only five movies that have made two billion dollars. And those five movies are 
Avengers Infinity War, Star Wars The Force Awakens, Titanic, Avengers Endgame, and Avatar, the first film. I do think Avatar the Way... Because Avatar the Way of Water currently on Box Office Mojo, according to this, is at the number 12 spot as far as the all-time worldwide grosses. Um, the movies that it... Well, okay, yeah. So so it did it did just beat Top Gun Maverick. So technically number 11, because it did just beat Top Gun Maverick. So... Um, Number 11, that means it has to pass Furious 7, Avengers, uh, The Lion King, uh, the 2019 Lion King film, uh, Jurassic World, and Spider-Man No Way Home in order to be the sixth film in history to make $2 billion, which I do believe is possible because... I mean, the next film that's going to be taking up those IMAX screens is actually going to be Ant Man, right? So Ant Man, so Ant, so we're so we are not getting a real, true, big budget um, pop uh, popcorn movie until uh, Ant Man until February. So. Avatar is Avatar basically has December and January all to itself before uh it has it has all that time to have those IMAX screens to have those 4DX screens to itself before it is um before it's going to drop off and take a back seat to uh Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumanium which I do believe is going to be taking up those IMAX screens um so yeah um look i'm i'm look look man this is just exciting it's really exciting to see that uh that avatar the way of water is 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 uh being successful so there's that all right fourth main topic we have is this uh dwayne johnson apparently has got some beef with dc uh, with recent news about the, the DCU changing, it should come as no surprise that drama is now starting to come to light. In a recent article with Variety, a source close to the situation revealed some interesting details about Dwayne Johnson trying to set the plans for the DCU that revolved around Black Adam. Variety wrote the following. But Black Adam, which bowed... Uh, which bowed, which bowed uh, October 21st, fizzled with a $391 million worldwide haul against a $195 million budget, uh, plus $40 million in resh- $40 million in reshoots, scuttling, uh, scuttling with any plans for more outings for the lightning for the lightning bolt wielding anti-hero and officially ending the Henry Cavill Superman era. Cavill parted ways with his manager, with his manager Johnson's ex-wife Danny uh, Danny Garcia, uh, this year. But a source says it was unrelated to DC, uh, to the DC drama, and she remains a strategic advisor to the actor. Meanwhile. The Johnson Warner's relationship already was wearing thin after Johnson pushed for a producing credit on the animated film DC League of Super Pets, which opened in July, but did little to promote it. The actor also insisted on a tequila bar at the New York premiere of Black Adam, featuring his tequila, uh, his his terra his Terramana brand, despite the film being rated PG-13. And that, of course, comes to us from Variety. Um, so this come, oh, and also in this article, they talked about, um, Ezra Miller and how there are some executives at Warner Brothers who are thinking about bringing Ezra Miller back, which, um, uh, is a dumb decision. Why would you ever consider that? But that's going to be, that's one of our Q and a questions. And we'll talk about that when we get to that. You know, this comes as no surprise to me because this is what I refer to black Adam as. 
Black Adam, in my opinion, is referred to as Dwayne Johnson's ego. Because who in the flying fuck was asking for a Black Adam movie? Who in the everlasting flying fuck sat there and said, hey, you know what movie we should make? We should make a Black Adam movie. No. The only person who wanted the Black Adam movie to happen was Dwayne Johnson. Because Dwayne Johnson has an ego. And Dwayne Johnson is, in my opinion, feels very... And look, I, I look. I don't know the guy. I don't know Dwayne Johnson. For all I know, Dwayne Johnson is just the nicest human being on the planet. He seems like a nice guy. He seems like a nice guy. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I am not talking any trash on Dwayne Johnson. And God, he's probably not even listening to this podcast anyway. So why why should I be worried about it? But anyway, look. I have no. I have nothing against. I'm a fan of Dwayne Johnson. But this is just one of those examples where I feel like he just needs to know his place. You are an actor. You're an actor. You are not a studio executive. You know? You know? And if you're going to push Warner Brothers into giving you a producing credit, then you better damn well do your job and promote it. You better get on social media like, like you're – you know, he did all this promotion for Black Adam. He posted all these pictures. Oh, the hierarchy of the DC universe is about to change with Black Adam. But with DC League of Super Pets, he was, it, it, it almost, in Warner Brothers' eyes, it almost felt like he was like, eh, well, we got this little D, we got this little DC Super Pets thing going on. Which, by the way, DC League of Super Pets was a better movie than Black Adam. But, but, that, but that's besides the point. This is just a, another situation where I feel like Dwayne Johnson just needs to know his place. You are an actor, okay? You are not a studio executive, you know? Unless you want to – unless you want to – hell, you have your own production company, Seven Bucks Productions. Go run that studio, Okay, go run that production company. Don't come into a big studio like Warner Brothers, basically bypassing all of the executives just so you can have a one-on-one with David Zaslav. You know, and it just it just goes to show that, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, you can you can agree or not agree with me, but it just goes to show that Dwayne Johnson cared more about his ego than the um he, he cared he cared more about his ego than uh than the than the product of DC you know and it's unfortunate to me because I actually was excited when I saw when I saw Henry Cavill at the end of Black Adam I was excited I was like, okay, we got a direction. That's good. But it just goes to show. But but it's just, I don't know. Anyway. Um, look, all I'll say is this. Dwayne Johnson needs to just, in the future, know his place as an actor. And... Just do what you do best. Be the star of them. Be a superstar. Stop trying to be the studio executive. Because you are not that, Dwayne. Again, he's probably not even listening to this. But if you are listening to this, Dwayne, stop it. You know? Black Adam losing, 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 uh, losing money for the studio um you know and also it's like also it's like and 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 everyone keeps asking oh wh- why why would why would they do this to Dwayne Johnson why would they do this to Dwayne Johnson because because here's the thing black adam didn't even crack 400 million dollars it fell short at cracking 400 million dollars 
and it and the production budget the production budget was 100 195 million dollars okay so let's let's do the math here for a second okay 195 plus an extra 40 million in uh in reshoots you have a 235 million dollar production budget plus let's just do an extra 100 million dollars for marketing 335 million dollars and you couldn't even crack 400 million this is a loss for the studio this is a loss for warner brothers and there is a reason why james gunn and peter saffron are coming in and are planning on just rebooting because this is a franchise that is dead in the water because guess what as as excited as i am for shazam shazam's not making a hundred million dollars Shazam is probably not going to be making a billion dollars. The Flash is not going to make a billion dollars. Aquaman The Lost Kingdom is not going to make a billion dollars. Blue Beetle is another one that will not make a billion dollars. Although Blue Beetle, I don't think, costs that much to make. So, you know... The DCEU is now dead. To quote Henry Cavill in Batman vs. Superman, the DCEU is dead. Bury it. So, there we go. Alright guys, we are going to go ahead and move on to our fifth main topic. And our fifth main topic is, how do I feel about the music biopics? After seeing I Want to Dance with Somebody, it got me it got me thinking about the music biopic formula. This is a formula that has been so overused to death, and I personally believe that it's time for Hollywood to stop making them. And here's the reason why. Weird, the Al Yankovic story. This movie came out right at the perfect time during a time in which we got films like Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man. But before I explain how weird the Al Yankovic story changed everything, let me break down the music biopic formula. Act 1. We are introduced to a character who is an up-and-coming musical sensation. We see their talents, but get a glimpse of their personal lives. Then there is a moment slash performance that that becomes their discovery. Act 2. They start their career, they become a number one sensation, and we see the ups and downs of their career. Something happens at the end of Act 2 that puts them at an all-time low. Act 3, they have a big comeback moment that serves as the uplifting moment of the film, only to find out during the credits what actually happened during their lifetime. That is the formula for every biopic that features a famous musician. Bohemian Rhapsody, Rocket Man, Strand of the Compton, Walk the Line, Elvis, Respect, and most recently, I Want to Dance with Somebody. Now, that's not to say that this formula can't work. In fact, I would say Walk the Line and Strand of the Compton are the best examples on how, the, on how this formula can be successful. Because at the end of the day, Walk the Line was about a pers- about the personal struggles that Johnny Cash went through. Not just his career struggles, but his personal inner demons that, that, he, that he had. And Straight Outta Compton was really about the relationships between the members of, of the NWA, which made, that f- which, made, which made that film work on an emotional level. But then you have a movie like Bohemian Rhapsody. Instead of giving us an emotional journey through the life of Freddie Mercury. They gave us a recreation of concerts. There was not one moment of Bohemian Rhapsody that gripped me at an emotional level. The same can be said about I Want to Dance with Somebody. I mean, this is a movie about Whitney Houston, who has one of the most, who has one of the most tragic fall from grace stories of all time. Can you imagine how much more emotional the film would have been if they had gone more deep and personal? 
And I think at the hands of a better writer and director like Ava DuVernay, we could have gotten something pretty special. So why is Weird the Al Yankovic story so key to the music biopic genre? Well, I'm sure glad you asked. Weird the Al Yankovic story took that formula that I just described for you and satirized it. There is even a joke in the movie that tells you how cliche the genre of film, the genre, uh, the genre of film, this this particular genre of film has become. And what that movie did so well is that the filmmakers behind the film, the film knew we can't just do the same thing that audiences have seen. So let's make a Mel Brooks style satire on the music biopic formula. And it absolutely worked for a film like that. I think Weird, the Al Yankovic story, is the most important biopic to come out during this uh, during this time because it shows that the music biopics can be more than just, hey, a recreation of concerts. Hey, you remember that moment? You remember that moment? Hey, remember, remember when they performed at this place? Hey, do you remember when Whitney Houston performed at the Super Bowl? That was a really cool moment, right? What about the what about all the drug abuse? Eh, let's not focus on that. Let's let's just show the concerts. That's that's nice. I mean, they can be more emotionally gripping than they have been recently. I would love to see more biopics that change the formula. Like imagine a Michael Jackson movie that felt like a Hamilton style stage musical. I mean, that would kind of be brilliant. Hell, I can even imagine Spike Lee making something like that. Or Janis Joplin. Or or a Janis Joplin movie that explores more of the dangers of drug abuse. You know? And if any any musician is perfect for that, it's Janis Joplin. I mean, if you know the story of Janis Joplin, that is a perfect story to tell. You know? Like, I see, I see a Janis Joplin movie working almost the same way as a Requiem for a Dream, you know, that shows the, the fast-living lifestyle. Like, uh, like think of, think of uh, Darren Aronofsky's The Wrestler meets Requiem for a Dream. Like, like, like it would be interesting to explore that. Or a David Bowie movie in the vein of a La La Land-style musical. Like the music, the the music biopic formula can be successful, but it needs to be shaken up every once in a while. Whatever the case, as much as I would like to stop the music biopic genre, they're gonna keep making them. All we all we can do is ask Hollywood to shake it up a little bit, and do. And 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 do take more chances with this with the formula. Instead of giving us stale and boring movies, I mean, look, look, don't get me wrong, uh, you're getting amazing actors for these movies. Uh, Naomi Aki was fantastic as Whitney Houston. Uh, Rami Malek won Best Actor for Be- for Bohemian Rhapsody. Taron Egerton was amazing as Elton John. Austin Butler could possibly get an Oscar nomination for Elvis, and I think it's well deserved. He was great. However. The movies you're putting them in are just stale and boring. There's no chances being taken. They're not allowed to go further and go more deep with these icons, you know, because we're just we're just focusing on, hey, look, Rami Malek sure does look like Freddie Mercury in the when he during this concert, or hey. Hey, look, Elton John is uh, Taron Egerton. It looks just like Elton John during his performance at Dodger State at at Dodger Stadium. You know, it's like it's like they're it's like they are focusing more on the visual look of these films rather than the actual uh, emotional uh, emotional grip that these stories need. You know, and like I like I said. It's not that the acting is it's not that the the act it's not the actors' fault. The actors are doing are doing just fine. The actors are doing just fine with the material they're being given. It's just that the the it's the direction, the writing that is not allowing them to push and go more deep. 
And that's why I personally believe that that the music biopic formula needs to either change or they just got to stop making them. Because if you're just going to give us these stale and boring movies, then quite honestly, what's the point? All right, guys, and our final main topic is this. We are giving you, we're, 2022 has come and gone. And with that comes a new year with new movies. 2023 is set up, is set to be a pretty huge year for movies. So I will be giving you guys my top 10 most anticipated movies of 2023. So let's not waste any time and let's get right into it. I'm going to name off. I'm going to name off a few honorable mentions. I have a lot of them, so so be prepared. Um, first one is The Marvels. I'm super excited for the Captain Marvel sequel. It'll just be really interesting to see what they could do with a different director. Um, Blue Beetle is a character I've been wanting to see in the DC Universe for a very long time. Knock at the Cabin, the new M. Night Shyamalan film, looks to be very intense, very creepy, and... Um, I really i i've liked i liked M Night Shyamalan's last movie. Let's hope he can make a a good movie with with Knock at the Cabin, uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife Two, uh, which is just what it's called. Uh, they just got a new director, uh, Gil, uh, Gil Keenan, uh, who is directing this next one, uh, director of Monster House. So that's going to be very exciting to see. Uh, Hunger Games: The Ballads of Songbirds and Snakes, which is uh, which is the Hunger Games prequel. Very excited for this. I like the Hunger Games franchise, so let's see if the prequel can be just as good, if not better. Uh, the new Pixar film, Elemental, uh, which looks beautiful. The, the teaser trailer came out. It's great. I don't know enough about it for me to say that I'm super excited for it, but it's a Pixar movie. I'll be there opening weekend. The Flash. I know. The Flash has a lot of drama behind it, but look. I, I'm just glad that this movie is finally has finally finally been filmed and is finally coming to to the big screen. Uh, cannot wait to see what what the Flash brings to us. Um, Oppenheimer, the new Christopher Nolan film. The reason why this is not on my list is because I have not been a fan of the past Christopher Nolan films. I did not like Dunkirk. And I was really disappointed with Tenet, so I'm I'm I have my hesitations going into um, Oppenheimer, but I'm I am still very very excited for Oppenheimer. Uh, Wonka, the Willy Wonka prequel movie starring Timothy Chalamet. I'm very I'm very much looking forward to it. I cannot wait for this, and uh, yeah, that's going to be pretty exciting. And finally, Transformers: Rise of the Beast is another one that I'm super excited for, but just didn't make my top 10 most anticipated. Okay, guys. Now let's go ahead and let's get into the top 10 most anticipated films for 2023. We're going to start at number 10, and at number 10, I have the Super Mario Brothers movie. If you had said to me a year ago, Zeke, you're going to be excited for the Super Mario Brothers animated film. I would have said no. There's there's no way. There's no way. There's just no way. Well, after after some amazing trailers, I am now like so excited to see um I cannot wait to see what can be done with the Super Mario Brothers movie. Um, with a cast that includes Chris Pratt, Anya Taylor-Joy, Charlie Day, Jack Black, Keegan-Michael Key, uh, Seth Rogen, you know, the list goes on and on and on. It, I just cannot wait. And so, yeah, so the Super Mario Brothers movie is number 10. Coming in at number 9, we have Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Now, I was not a big fan of Ant-Man and the Wasp. I'll be honest with you guys. I didn't like Ant-Man and the Wasp. But the trailers for but the trailer for this was fantastic. Um I I can't it, it 
we've heard from Payne Reed that's saying that this is going to go more into, this is going to become more of the Avengers style, the Avengers epic movie. So um, that will be very interesting to see what happens. And with, you know, them bringing Kang into the film, it will be very interesting to see how this sets up the future of the multiverse saga. Uh, Coming in at number eight, we have John Wick Chapter 4. This is a franchise that has become so surprising to me. That first movie, that first John Wick movie, I remember watching it for the first time and going, holy crap, this is good. And just thinking to myself, there is no possible way that you can get better. Then John Wick Chapter 2 came out, and it was better. Then And then I was like, okay, surely they can't make a make a good follow-up to that. Surely they can't make a good follow-up to that movie. Well, then they did John Wick Chapter 3, and it was just as good, if not better, than the first two. Um, so John Wick Chapter 4 has a lot to live up to, but I'm sure that this is going to be Hopefully the best film of the series, and uh, it will be very exciting to see uh, where this story goes for uh, John Wick. Uh, Coming in at number seven, we have Shazam! Theory of the Gods. I love that first Shazam! movie. Um, The first Shazam! movie directed by David F. Sandberg was so good and had so much... Uh, great uh, elements uh, about it that I am now so excited to see what they're going to do with Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Um, you know, getting the opportunity to explore more of what it means uh, as, a, uh, as a kid to carry these abilities, what it means for the entire family to carry the these 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 abilities, um, them being targeted by um, by uh, uh, the 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 goddesses um, uh, played by Helen Mirren and Le- uh, Lucy Liu, um, and look that first trailer was so good, um, and I just can't wait. I'm so excited for Shazam: Fury of the Gods. Coming in at number six, we have Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Uh, this is this is a franchise, much like John Wick, that you just sit there and go, okay, there's no possible way you can get better. Oh, they found a way to make it better. You know, I, I had kind of given up on this franchise after the third one, but then the fourth one came out, and it was good. Then the fifth one came out, and it was great. Then Fallout came out, and it just about blew everything out of the water for me. I loved Mission Impossible Fallout. Um and I cannot wait to see what what Tom Cruise and Christopher and Christopher McQuarrie have in in store for us uh for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Uh coming in at number 5, we have Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. This is a movie that if I had not watched the trailer for this film this would not be in my top 10 list. This probably would have been an honorable mention. But after seeing that trailer and after seeing what James, the tone that James Mangold is going for this final install for for this final Indiana Jones film, it gets me so excited for the possibilities of what of what's in store for this franchise. Um Seeing Harrison Ford back in the classic Indiana Jones outfit is great. Um, uh, hearing that iconic John Williams music is great, and yeah, Indiana Jones and the, the and the Dial of Destiny is number five. Coming in at number four, we have Creed three. Uh, Creed the the first Creed movie is one of my favorite movies of all time. And then Creed 2, I thought, was a very worthy follow-up of that first film. 
I cannot wait to see where where Michael B. Jordan is going to take this story and where Michael B. Jordan, as the director of the film, as this being his first directorial debut, it'll be interesting to see how he's able to carry on that tone and that legacy. The fact that he's now carrying the legacy that Sylvester Stallone built um, from uh, Rocky One, and now... Uh, and now seeing that um, that uh, Michael B. Jordan is going to carry that forward, it's just so exciting, and I cannot wait to see um, what they have in store for Creed Three. Also, I mean, come on, Jonathan Majors as the villain? Are you kidding? That is awesome, um, and I can't I can't wait to see uh, what happens in Creed Three. Coming in at number three, we have Dune. Part two. You know, I was not familiar with the sort with Dune before I saw Denis Villeneuve's remake. Um, I did not watch the original movie. I did not watch the miniseries. I I never read the book, but I went in and I saw Denis Villeneuve's Dune, just based on the fact that it was directed by Denis Villeneuve, and that movie blew my mind. So much so that I it made me want to go and read the book. And I did read the book. And I cannot wait for Dune Part 2. I cannot wait to see Timothy Chalamet back as Paul Atreides. I cannot wait to see them carry the story forward and seeing where, where they're, where they're going to go. And it excites me. To see them expand the world and expand the char- and expand the characters, introducing us to some new characters along the way, and I cannot wait. I'm so excited for Dune Part Two. Coming in at number two, we have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. I love the first Guardians film. I'm one of those people who really liked the second one. But the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special really ignited my love for these characters again. I cannot wait to see James Gunn tell the complete story that he has been telling since that first film. Um, uh, I cannot wait to see what they do with Rocket, what they do with Drax, the, uh, the, you know... After hearing that, uh, after hearing Dave Bautista saying that uh, that this is going to be uh, the final film that he stars in, the final MCU film he does, uh, that's going to be uh, really emotional to watch. Um, so yeah, I cannot wait. I'm super excited uh, for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. And finally, coming in at number one. My most anticipated film for 2023 should come as no surprise to everybody. It is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And uh, just to kind of uh, get into my excitement for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Hold on. Let me just bring this up here for a second. And here we go. Yes, I am super excited for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, I struggled with it for a very long time, but I can now officially say Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is my all-time favorite comic book movie. Yes, I love it more than The Dark Knight. I love Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It is, for me, the most emotional Spider-Man film we've ever had. It is, to me, the most, um, uh, the, the, the most funny, uh, the funniest Spider-Man movie we have ever had. It, 
just is great. And it's one of the best comic book movies of all time. I love the film, and I cannot wait to see what what they have in store for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. That trailer, man, seeing all those different Spider-Man there and bringing the spectacular Spider-Man. If you saw my YouTube video, my reaction to that news, obviously that excites me. So, yeah, I cannot wait for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and I cannot wait to see uh, where they go and 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 is Spider is Spider Man twenty ninety nine the villain or is he a good guy or is he one of just the misunderstood the misunderstood hero? We'll just have to wait and see when Spider Man Across the Spider Verse comes out in June of twenty twenty three. And Spider Man Across the Spider Verse is my number one most anticipated film. So I'm let's run down the list one more time. Number 10, the Super Mario Brothers movie. Number 9, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumanium. Number 8, John Wick Chapter 4. Number 7, Shazam Fury of the Gods. Number 6, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Number 5, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Number 4, Creed 3. Number 3, Dune Part 2. Uh, number 2, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And number 1, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So, guys, with all that down and out of the way, let's go ahead and move on to the Q&A questions. But before we do that, it is time that we take the Zeke Said So commercial break. So sit back, relax. The Zeke Said So Show will be right back. Thank you so much for listening to this installment on the Zeke Said So podcast. I wanted to remind you guys that the Zeke Said So podcast can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, Pocket Cast, and Stitcher. Uh, if you are listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcast, make sure you leave a review on the feed, preferably a positive review. It helps more people see the show, and it helps us grow and continue to give you this amazing content. Also wanted to remind you guys that you can check out the Zeke Said So written blog. Go to zekesaidso.wordpress.com and you may find the Zeke Said So podcast in a written blog. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Zeke Said So and on Instagram at Zeke underscore said underscore so. And one more thing. If you would like to support the show, you can find a link in the description of every podcast we put up to our listener support feature. Once you get there, you may donate any amount, and for those who do, you will receive a special shout-out right here on the podcast feed. Not a mandate, you don't have to do you don't have to do it, but it does help us out a lot. And you guys are also supporting the show just by listening to this amazing content. Now, with that down, let's get right back to the show. All right, guys, and now it's time for some Q&A questions, and let's go ahead and let's uh, let's get to some Q&A questions. We got five of them here, so let's go ahead and just answer these five questions. Uh, number one, what were your thoughts on Babylon? Oh, okay, we're going to start there. Um, <laughs> so I was really excited for Babylon, and Babylon is the new film directed by Damien Chazelle, uh, who directed Whiplash and La La Land. Um, I, I didn't really love it. I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't really love Babylon. I thought it, I thought the, the, the theme behind the movie and what that movie was trying to say is magnificent. The idea of telling a story about the evolution of cinema is, is great. It's great. You know? However, <laughs> however, I just don't feel like the story that Damien Chazelle, I, I don't feel like, it just, I just felt like I was watching that movie going, what's, what was the point? What was the point of all this? And by the end of the movie, I just sat there and I went, okay. Yeah, like I, I honestly don't feel the need to go back and watch it again. 
You know, I I personally don't. Like, I, I, I watched it once, and I was like, um, I don't think I could ever go back and watch this again. So, uh, so yeah, uh, those were those are my thoughts on Babylon. Um, I still really love Damien Chazelle as a director, though. I, I love Damien Chazelle. So, um, do you think that DC will actually consider bringing Ezra Miller back as the Flash? No, because that would be a dumb decision. Um. Ezra Miller has just caused so much drama and so much bad publicity in the public eye that it would be really stupid of James Gunn and Peter Safran to say, hey, you know what? Let's bring back Ezra. Come on, Ezra. Let's come on, Ezra. Be the Flash again. Plus, I don't even think, I honestly think James Gunn and Peter Safran are looking to just erase this entire universe because just just because of the fact that Black Adam lost all this money for the studio and the fact that there's just too many too many red there's just too much dark there's too many dark clouds surrounding this universe that I just think the right thing for them to do is just scrap everything and everyone involved with the DCEU so that means I have to lose Henry Cavill, and yes, that means I have to lose Zachary Levi as Shazam. It's just what's going to have to happen. All right, number three. What was your favorite TV show of 2022? You know, I didn't really watch a lot of TV shows this year. I mean, I watched the Marvel stuff, but none of the Marvel stuff really stood out to me. Um... Probably, probably the boys. Yeah, yeah. I'll say I'll, I'll say the boys uh, was the boys season three was probably my favorite TV was probably the best TV I saw in twenty twenty two. Just because I thought, just because like that show. Is 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 another show that just gets better and better every season. Um, I did like this past season of the Umbrella Academy. I did really like this past season of the Umbrella Academy. Um, I still haven't finished Andor. I'm still watching Andor, but Andor is really good so far. Um. But I still need to finish Andor before I can say whether or not that's my favorite. Um, so, um, yeah. Uh, I'll go with the boys on that one. Uh, what was your least favorite movie of 2022? Oh, God, where do I start? Um... You know, there's a reason why I don't do top five worst films of 2022 is mainly because I don't want to add to all the negativity that's out there when it comes to movies. But if you're going to ask me what my least favorite film of 2022 was, it was uh, Disney's live-action Pinocchio. Um, that's my least favorite uh, movie that has that that came out this year. Um and if you and if you want to know my thoughts on it, just go to my Instagram. I did a I did a rev, an Instagram review of Pinocchio. So go go look at my thoughts over there. I just I just don't want to get into it. All right. And the final question, guys, is do you think Avatar 3, 4, and 5 could be as successful as the previous films? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because these movies, like I said earlier about Avatar 2, is that Avatar is the purest example of the of the theatrical experience. It's the best example of true movie escapism. You know, we all watch movies for you know for our own particular reason. But I know, like someone like me who loves movies, I watch movies so that I could have that escape, so that I could go and escape to a whole nother world. 
And for me, in my opinion, I feel like Avatar is the best at that. You know, I don't like the first Avatar film, but it's so visual. It's visually so beautiful that I can't help but not watch it every once in a while. You know, and Avatar The Way of Water combines both an incredibly visual experience, but also a compelling story that I I loved it. I, I really, I really loved it. And so I, um, so I think, yes, Avatar 3, 4, and 5, if they can maintain that element that makes it so special, I think it's, I think it's, it's going to be, a, it's going to be as successful as the previous films, if not even more so. So there's that. Okay, guys. That will do it for this week's episode of the Zeke Said So Show. Thank you so much for listening. Um, again, guys, if you haven't already, please go check out my new short film, What to Watch. It is up on the Zeke Said So Pictures YouTube channel. Um, and uh, yeah, I hope you guys uh, loved. I hope you guys enjoyed watching it as much as I enjoyed making it. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, don't forget, guys. Uh, starting next week. We are now going to be doing five shows per week starting on Monday with To the Batcave, a DC talk show drops on Monday at 6 p.m. Hopefully you guys will come and check us out uh, then on January 9th. So, uh, oh, and I will say the first episode of the Web Swingers podcast is going to debut that same week on Tuesday. So I should let you guys know that the 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 first episode of the Web Series podcast will drop on Tuesday, not not tomorrow. So that will do it for for us guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you like the podcast, please make sure you share it and subscribe. I think I should subscribe to the podcast because Zeke the Geek said so. And I will talk to you guys later. Peace out.